we here at Alladate and Audio Map are proud to now be available through iHeartRadio and tune in. Okay. Oh, I'm supposed to begin. My name is Stephen Hughes. I'm 38 years old and I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm a Scorpio and I enjoy long walks on the beach, but I don't get them very often because we're in a landlocked area. And the beaches we have are along the Ohio River. And there's a lot of hypodermic needles there. And so you don't want to wear your flip-flops on our beaches. No, 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 no. of the Kalishnikov Clowns, um, Louisville's only Russian clown troupe, and as you can tell from my voice, I'm not Russian. Does that make me a poser? I don't think so, because I married a Russian. And when I, the first time I went over to their family's home for a dinner, everyone was speaking a language I did not understand. And I am quite often in the position of understanding what it feels like to be illiterate. And uh, the barbarians are at the gates. I hear sounds, but I think we're okay. Okay. So as I was saying, whenever you get thrown into a situation where you know you were completely out of your element, you hear words and you don't know where one word ends and the next begins. But at the same time, it's a wonderful gift. And the reason it is a wonderful gift is the simple fact that when you don't know enough about a language to tell where one word stops and the next begins, everything everyone says is amazing because you don't know what they're talking about. It is glorious. People are so much more interesting before you get to know them. For all I knew at the time, they could have been talking about international espionage. I didn't know. Really, they were just asking to pass the horseradish most of the time, which I learned later on. Because that's the... That's, that, that's what you feel when you don't speak the language. And I learned that day that horseradish is delicious. I don't like salted pork fat. And smoked cold fish and jelly is also delicious when you put enough horseradish on it. You just, you look down and you see a, uh, a preserved fish and you think, well, I like sushi, but it's on a potato, but it's kind of like Russian sushi, so that's okay, I can eat that. So you eat it and you find your way into that world. Things just evolve from there and next thing I know, I'm a clown. I kind of am a little bit afraid of clowns. Clowns 
but I'm not really a child's clown. I am a clown that tells stories. I'm a clown that tells stories through actions. To this point, I've only performed for children once, and that was a really cool experience because I taught them storytelling. But, I haven't had the opportunity to perform for children since. I mostly perform for adults, very often inebriated adults. And we can tend to bring in a little bit of racier elements. We've performed alongside burlesque dancers, sideshow performers, jugglers, all sorts of different types of wonderful people. Well, my wife does some glass walking, as you know. Um, we have a, an act based around it. But I try not to make the sideshow act and the sideshow elements we perform with to be the center point of the to be the center point of the act. And the reason why is people are jaded. People are really, really jaded, and you have tons of people. It doesn't take a lot to be able to walk on glass. It doesn't take a lot to be able to... Some, some performers I know um, will make money by letting people staple them. I don't do that. I won't ever do that. Because A, who wants bloody money? And B, what's the point? And not to be insulting, but we're in it for the storytelling aspect. We want to evoke feeling in our audiences. We want people to see the human condition. Because the way I look at it, when I first took on this project, I had to ask myself the basics. What is a clown? And really, clowns are really a thing of the past. They're dead. They don't exist in the way they did at one point. When I was young, there was a clown on every corner. There was Ronald McDonald. There was Bozo the Clown. There was Cookie. There was the Shriners that were going down the street and you would see clowns in parades. And at some point, that disappeared. With having that cultural loss, and having the loss of the understanding of what a children's clown is, I looked at what existed at the time and that did not appeal to me at all. My first response when this was suggested to me was, oh hell no, I'm an artist, I'm a poet. I am more cutting edge than that. That's pedestrian, I'm not gonna do that. But it was something where you find yourself in a point creatively when you look and you see that you know that there are pieces on the ground. And there's a time when you pick up the pieces and you find out something new to do with those pieces, something that hasn't really been done before. I was lucky enough for something to drop into my lap. And what dropped into my lap was a YouTube video on Slava's snow show. It is, he's, Slava's a Russian clown and he 
started actually under the Soviets, um, performing on big Russian New Year's gatherings. His clown was very different than anything I'd seen before, and it was very different from the type of what is actually the technical term for it is American grotesque clown, uh, which is like bozo, and a very different kind of slapstick clown. We don't do slapstick as much. And what Slava was pulling from, he was parody parodying. He was uh, parodying the human condition. He would, several of his acts were centered around snow. They were centered around the cold. Uh, they were centered around loss, having to leave everything. But it was all done completely silently, sometimes in a form of mime. And there was always a bit of, not even just a bit, there was a deep level of emotion that he was portraying. And this was something that we wanted to bring into our project. Um, when we thought up the Kalashnikov Clowns, we, we originally had the idea that we wanted to do something different with clowns that we were not that we had not seen before. And most of us being untrained, some people coming from film, some people coming from I came from animation um, and cartoons and things like that. And we all wanted to bring in different forms of our previous art forms and put it into this project. So in doing so, we boiled down to the fact that what we were going to do was parry, or was do a parody of the human experience. Because a clown falls into a weird chasm of human understanding in the fact that a clown is both a cartoon, is looked at as non-human most of the time. And they seem to fall into this weird, primitive sort of headspace that in, this all goes in with that whole fear of clowns being the other and when you can come at it from the angle of being the other and to really understand what it's like being apart from everything the makeup separates you and it takes away your humanity in a lot of ways um, when I am performing, a lot of my inspiration and movement comes from my dog or watching birds because I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be seen completely as human, and you have to look at that level of movement. Something like I will move in ways that I don't normally move, and because I want my audience to have that level of separation from me, but also to be able to laugh. Because when you watch somebody on the street fall down and get hurt, that's bad. But when a clown falls down and gets hurt, it's very funny. Now granted, when I fall down, I don't usually get hurt because I know how to fall. But the whole point is not the fall. It's making you feel. It's making the audience member feel in the fall. Sometimes there is that moment of, oh my god, is he okay? And that's how you need to know how to tie out and lengthen out a joke. Because you want that moment of, 
conserve. We have an act where we use a gun. And the moment the gun comes out on stage, there's a few moments of silence and respect for that weapon. Because you don't know if it's real or not. Or is it loaded or not? You know, is what's in the... Uh, is what's in that bottle actually vodka. We perform a lot around alcohol because we perform in a lot of bars. The most important aspect of it all is to be able to give your audience the ability to feel, to be able to reach into that world or bring that world out and to be able to pull it out. It's like pulling strings out of just is, is the pull on the string and it gets longer and longer. The stranger what they see, the stranger of what they see is there and they just want to keep going. And that's what we're really about. That's our, that's our line of distinction, I guess. Hi, this is Mick, the producer and host of Alidade and AudioMap, and I just wanted to break into the program briefly. Uh, first of all, to thank you all for listening. Uh, I also like to extend our gratitude to uh, iTunes and their affiliate program. Uh, if you're listening to this program right now, chances are really good you found it through iTunes, and we just wanted to show uh, them a little love. Now, if you uh, like this episode or any previous episode that you have listened to, please, 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 uh, consider subscribing on uh, iTunes. It's free, doesn't cost you anything, of course, and it helps uh, us with rankings in terms of where we are in the catalog. And if you like these episodes so much that you would like to sponsor future episodes, uh, if you go to our website at alladadepodcast.com, uh, there'll be a link to the sponsorship page that will... Uh, show you how you can do that. We uh, break it down uh, in terms of three episodes, six episodes, or a full 12 episodes, which is actually a full, uh, a full season here at Alladade. So uh, please take a look at that if you uh, would like to sponsor future episodes. Uh, and now, back to the story. When I came up with the name the Kalishnikov Clowns, I actually based it around um, the way Jello Biafra, the lead, former lead singer of the Dead Kennedys, came up with his name in the Biafra Wars, and then he superimposed it with gelatin, Jello, J-E-L-L-O, and like the way it sounds, and I kind of took the Kalishnikov rifle, and we threw in clowns with it, and thought, oh, how wonderful. Something just edgy enough, because I want to signal to our audiences that we're not going to be what they expected. When, people, when I tell people I'm a clown, their first response is weariness, and then it's followed with a whole shade of other emotions, and people are very curious. And a lot of times I get, are you crazy? And then I say, well, I do have kind of a problem with clowns. Um, ever since I saw that movie, It, and then people get really curious. Um, so it's complicated, and it's a peculiarity of what I do. 
but it's something that has grown in its own, and when we built our characters, we're trying to create characters that are very three-dimensional, and they change. When you're out, the best thing to do once you create a new character is to go out and be that character in the world, because even if you're not keeping character, you're going to learn a crap load about that character because what happens goes into the character. When I first started, I, Simha did not speak. And Simha's my character, uh, Simha the Clown. Um, his tagline is the clown that offended the gods. He is, he's a strain of hobo clown with a mohawk. Um, so we have to give that nod to punk rock because if you don't, it's, it's just sad. But to be able to portray him, I have to enter in a headspace that is very not my own. Because he, Simha is the guy who always gets shit on. He is always, he has to lose. The, the closest character I can think of that really, that is closest to Simha would be Al Bundy of Married with Children from the 90s, where you always find yourself rooting for him, even though you know he's going to just come in the last place every single time, consistently. And it's the art of being able to tease. Is, 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 is he going to win this time? Maybe. Maybe. Just to be able to make it possible. And Anna, he, he's able to win tiny, teeny, tiny victories but never more than that. And that's that's really the key I've found in portraying this character, and that's what's behind the writing whenever we write scripts. We always have to remember, Simha can't really initiate anything. He's a victim. Everything has to happen to him. talking about stage, you have three types of characters, and most of the old movies from the 20s and, and the silent era were all based off of clown characters, because that was when a lot of these guys came up through, like Chaplin was a classic clown. But the, uh, the three archetypes of these characters is you have the killer, the victim, and the witness. The killer is the character that initiates things. The killer is the one who sets things up, who makes things happen. The witness oof, is this really difficult, kind of complex character because this is someone who is completely separated from what's happening and is completely unaffected. Whereas you then you have the uh, the victim, me, who everything happens to him. It's not of nothing happens of his own volition, and Simha's an extreme version of this because he needs to be, because that's what makes him funny. But what I found is by being the victim, A, it's a great way to keep my ego in check, and B, it's made the character very important to the writing because it gives all the other characters direction to trickle down their shit upon him, and he's always the one that has to be at the bottom. 
without without direction, everything would fall apart. And knowing and being able to reach for a template within our story, even if we're telling a hero's journey, a lot of times Simha winds up by default being the hero because he's the one that's, I guess he has the biggest character arc because he, well, he winds up not really changing all that much throughout the story. But he, ha he winds up with a character arc just due to simple situations because he's always, always getting crapped on. And the, uh, we find the audience wanting to root for him a lot. Uh, and that's, that's just been what we've discovered through it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Alidade and Audio Map. We will be back in two weeks with another episode. We'd also like to take some time to thank our new affiliate partners, Mr. Art, the world's largest online art supply store, which offers free shipping on orders over $200, and Art Naturals, specializing in premium quality natural health and beauty products. They offer free shipping on all orders uh, over $4.99. We'd also like to thank our new affiliate partner, InnerServer.net, which offers virtual web hosting starting at $6.95 a month. Please take some time to visit our homepage at alladaypodcast.com and check out their links. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider subscribing to us on iTunes or through Podbean or Stitcher. This is Mick Parsons, the producer here at Alladay Audio Map. Thanks again for listening.